Hey, welcome. Thank you again for coming and being part of today. Um, go ahead and have a seat, if you would. Listen, just to, just to remind you of a couple things here at Mariners. Um, we have uh, on the seat back that's right in front of you, we have communication cards or connection cards. And if you've never filled one out, or if you have a prayer request, or if you want to connect with us in some way, just, just fill that out if you would. There's pens there and all that. And then we have a little box towards the back. And if you just want to put that in, that's the way we can collect them. Uh, also, any offering or giving that you want to give, uh, we would encourage you to put it back there as well. So that's kind of how we do things. Here we're in a series that we are calling God's Incredible or God's Amazing Promises. God has amazing promises for us. One of them is what we just talked about and sang about is the freedom that we have. Hey, do you remember making promises as kids and you do all you could to figure out how you could get around them? Remember doing that? You'd say some, for instance, you know, yeah, um, I promised to give you a dollar. I just never said when, you, you know. Or we'd do this. Remember, we'd cross our fingers behind our back. We'd cross our legs and all this kind of stuff. We'd try and get out of all the promises you could. And that way, it doesn't, it doesn't count. Remember that? Remember doing that as kids? Everything we could to make a promise and, and try and get out of it. And I'm, I'm so glad that God's not like that. What's cool is, is that the very God of the universe, I mean, the God of everything, he makes promises to us. In fact, Peter would write this, because of God's glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises. When you love somebody, you promise things, and you promise is are always fulfilled when you love them that much, and God does that for us. That verse is, I don't know, awesome, you know, incredible. Um, especially in this crazy world. And so we're going to talk about another promise that is personal to each one of us and makes our lives everything they could and should be. But let's take a moment and, and pray. So, Lord, I thank you for your great and precious promises to me, to us. And I pray, Lord, that these next moments would change us and help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said this, he says, I, I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. And then he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then it says this, your Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And this is a big deal. I mean, there is this promise of this thing called the Holy Spirit. And I think a whole lot of us have heard about, we sing about it a lot, the Spirit of God, you know, the Spirit of, of the living God and, and the Holy Spirit. And a lot of the songs we sing have the Holy Spirit in or you'll maybe re be reading through the New Testament and they'll talk about the singing of the Holy Spirit. And it seems like right here there's a promise and some kind of an eternal thing that goes on with this whole Jesus and God stuff. And, and what I would like to, to do is for us to, I guess, grasp this promise so that we can fully fully utilize the Holy Spirit's work and help and power in our lives. So I, I want to kind of little talk first about, about what the Holy Spirit's all about, but also the experience of the Holy Spirit and what begins to happen in our lives because of this promise that God has given us. So what's the Holy Spirit all about anyway? I mean, what is the Holy Spirit thing all, all, all about? Um, any of you Star Wars fans? Do we have any Star Wars fans here? Yeah, kind of. Okay, there you go. All right, all right. Um, um, any of you seen them all, all of them, all of them, any of you seen them all, yeah, okay, um, the big thing in Star Wars is what, may the what, 
<laughs> yeah, may the foolish numbering system be with you. Because you can't figure out what order they're supposed to watch them in. You know, you can't get it right. So you talk to somebody and say, well, what's your favorite Star Wars film? And they'll say, my favorite is the first one. And you'll say, well, which one is the first one? The first one which was made? Because the first one was made is really number what? It's really number four. Or the fourth one that came out, which is actually number one. Or maybe the second one, which is actually number five. Or the fifth one that came out, which is actually number two. And then Rogue One came out and Solo came out, which is really the first one or the ninth one. But it's really the very beginning of them all. Anyway, the issue is what you said at first is the force. May the force be with you. And, and what, what is the force? You know, use the force, Luke, you know, when he's there and he closes his eyes and he can finally see things that he could otherwise not see or he would move away the, all the devices and the technical devices and just rely upon some outside force that's there. And Jesus said this, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Is the, is, is the Holy Spirit like some force? You know, is that, is that what it is? Where all of a sudden when we close our eyes and refuse to use technology, we're going to start seeing things or feeling things or sensing things, you know? Um, well, there's a lot more to it than that. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit prays for us. It's a great, it's a great verse. In fact, it would say this, that, that when we even don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit will be praying with us and for us. Forces don't pray. The Bible says, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Meaning that my life can actually bring sorrow to the very spirit that God's placed in my life. And again and again, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is not just an it, not just some force, but a he. So good theology says the Holy Spirit is the third person of the triunity of God, Co-equal, co-eternal with God the Father and God the Son. That might not mean a lot to you. But over centuries of time, that has been worked out because of the words of what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit is the real and living presence of God in your life. The very real and living presence of what God is doing in your life. Look at what Jesus said again. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. And that would be the Spirit of truth. Counselor does not mean therapist. It you know, does not mean somebody that's going to sit in a chair and, you know, affirm everything you're saying. The word therapist, counselor means one who comes alongside to bring help. Meaning that you in your life, I in my life, I need what? I need help. I need help to work through issues. I need help to guide me through stupid things that I've done. I needed, heck, I needed that this week. I needed every day of my life. Because on my own, I, I will mess up and get stubborn. So Jesus would say this about the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. It's a promise of God in your life. And people with, without Christ cannot grasp the Holy Spirit in your life. He's the, he's the personal experience of God in you and, and in your life. I was listening to something this week, you know, it talked about, you know, you really need to live forgiven. You know, you need to live free. We talked about that a moment ago. 
or you really need to understand how to live loved by God. It's like, how do I do that? You know, how do I do that? How do I know how to forgive a person well? How do I know how to experience the full love of God? How does that, that happen? Have you ever felt when you're walking along, all of a sudden a conviction that something's not right in your life to make things, you need to make things different? That's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Jesus says, The counselor of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Um, Jesus is saying, look, there's going to be the reality of something within your life when you come to me. And this is why I'll talk to people about this is not a a religion you choose. It's a life to experience with the presence of God now working within you. It's It's the working part of God in our lives. I sometimes wonder about people, why do people keep believing in this stuff? And it's, it's, it's not just because of the plausibility of Jesus, because we will experience hardships and problems, but yet there's something inside you that will keep holding on to God. Working through something with somebody, they're just, just going through a devastating time, just devastating time. And you would think after so many knockdowns, knockdown, 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 They would say, enough of this. But there's still something on the inside that's saying, how can God help me in the midst of this? I would think a normal person would say, I'm done with this. If this is the kind of God that I'm given, forget it. Sweep it aside. But because there is that Holy Spirit within, that living relationship with the living God, there's not a desire to shove this thing away, their desire to say, I want to connect even more and even deeper. That's the Holy Spirit working within their life, reaching back up to God the Father. And they have this experience with Jesus. And I know I'm barely explaining it to you, but it's a reality that you have to experience. Some people say that when you get the Holy Spirit, all kinds of supernatural things happen in your life, and there's some people in this room that believe that, hold that, and that's awesome. There's some people on the other side of the spectrum that say the Holy Spirit isn't some kind of a wild experiential thing you're going to have. It's just the presence and reality of the living God. And they're in this room too, and, and this is a building in which everyone can come together and, and really say, this is, look, we'll work together on all this stuff. In this church, we have people all, all over the map, and that's great. I'm just thinking that when you personally come to an encounter with God and personally accept Jesus, there's a personal experience you should have as you encounter the presence of God. A personal experience that you should have when you encounter the presence of God. I believe that God gives you the experience that you need. I really do. And some people need to have spiritual and supernatural manifestations of God, and some people don't. I just know that when you have the Holy Spirit of God, there will be something in your heart of assurance that you now belong to him that nothing can take away. Nothing can take away, ever. The second question is, well, what is my experience with God's promise of his Holy Spirit? Our leadership meeting, our steering team, Thursday night we met, and, and I knew we were going to move into talking about the Holy Spirit. And I, and I asked him, you might even do this in your life group. Um, I'm going to do it in my life group tonight. The question I asked him was this. 
What experience have you had with the Holy Spirit this week? How have you seen the Holy Spirit at work either in your life or through your life this past week? And for about 10 minutes, we talked about that. We had them share that back and forth, back and forth. I felt the Holy Spirit helping me to forgive this person because I knew I had to do it. I was sharing with somebody, and all of a sudden I felt led to pray for them, and so I, I started to pray for them. And it was incredible to hear those life things that God does in individuals' experiences and, and, and life. The Apostle Paul was a guy that, that had found Jesus and, and was going from place to place to place to place telling people about Christ. And it's kind of an odd thing. It's in the Bible book called Acts in which churches are starting and all that. And he comes to a group of people and he said this, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's a good question and that's a legitimate question. And I don't know how you'd answer that one, but it was asked to a group of people. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? <laughs> Here's their response. No, they replied, we haven't even heard there's a Holy Spirit. We didn't even know this thing existed. You know, we just simply thought it was kind of this doctrinal thing you read maybe every Sunday or every weekend, and that was it. And they were convinced that Jesus was a good guy and a religious figure, but as far as having God enter into their lives through his personal presence, they didn't know anything about that which may be like, like some people here. I mean, maybe like, like you. You know and you can, you're convinced that there's something about Jesus, but to let him really hack into our lives and take control and absolutely surrender to that, and you let him, he leaves. He leaves kind of like, and I was trying to think about a good way to do it, and it's, it's a horrible example. When Jesus comes in, he leaves his virus there, you know, and it's a good virus. And it begins to produce and reproduce and reproduce and spread and spread and spread and spread. And pretty soon you're filled with this thing called Jesus. Some of you scientists are going to say to me, what a horrible analogy that is, Paul, and how can you say something? But there's a something that's going on inside a dynamic that's beginning to go and grow within, within you. Um, question could be also, how do I receive the Holy Spirit? Bible says you also became God's people when you heard the true message, the good news that God brought you salvation. You believed in Christ and God put his stamp of ownership on you by giving you the Holy Spirit he had promised. And there, there it is. You hear the message and believe in Christ to the point of saying, I'm trusting you for salvation and I want the fullness of God now in me. How do you know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit? How do you know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit? I mean, if I were to ask you, are you filled with the Holy Spirit now? I believe there's a couple of things. I think there's a point where you receive the Holy Spirit, but filling can kind of come and go. You know, it can kind of come and go. The Bible says don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's a difference then between just having the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's a wild verse because you kind of wonder how does being drunk with wine and being filled with the Holy Spirit go together. I've told you this story before. Um, I'm not a wine drinker. I don't, I, don't, I don't. Alcohol to me just doesn't. I hate it. It just tastes terrible. It tastes like bad medicine. I mean, really bad medicine. And I think wine's about the worst for me. And one time some of our church leaders and I went to a dinner with our building's landlord when we were, we were renting the building back there, and back down there, and um, 
He also owned restaurants, and he invited us to dinner. We have to renegotiate our lease. We have to talk about the lease coming up. And so he invited us to dinner at his restaurant over the hill to talk about the lease, and so we went. And, of course, the guys I went with were both working on their sobriety, and they didn't drink. Now, this is an Italian restaurant, okay, and, and drink flows there, okay, quite a bit. I mean, it's, it's, it's there. And, and um, going around the table, the, the waiter, the server came, and he, he, he began to pour the wine. And went to the first guy, you know, went to the owner first, filled up big glass. Second guy, no thank you. Next guy, no thank you. Next guy, no thank you. So he came to me. And I can't be rude. You know, I can't, I can't be rude. So, so me, never drinking ever in my life, I say, yes, please, thank you very much. And, and so um, um, uh, I take a sip of this expensive stuff, and it is nasty. I mean, just nasty stuff. I mean, really bad. And so I figure, because I don't like the taste of it, I figure the fewer, the fewer times I have to taste it, the better it's going to be. So I just, you know, just, I'm just going to glug this stuff down because I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to taste it a lot. So, so my glass is going down fairly quickly. And what, is, what does a good serve person do? He refills the glass. I mean, I'm a guest of the owner. And so they did that. And so I'm chugging that as well. And then he says, you know, the owner says, you know, I don't like any of this. I don't like this bad California wine. Let's get some good Italian stuff. And so they bring out again as well. And now it's time to renegotiate our lease. And I, and I asked the guys afterwards, was, was that okay? You know, was that okay? Because I've never been in any kind of inebriated condition at all. I mean, did I say anything stupid, you know, more stupid than I usually do? You know, did I, did I do that? And they said, well, you told them he could be pastor next month, but that's all, that's all you did. But we all laugh because we know you drink too much, what happens? You lose control. You're not in full control of your faculties, of your system. You'll do things that you might normally not do. You'll say things you might normally not say. Something else is beginning to control your actions. I mean, you're still there. You're still present, but something's beginning to control. And what that verse is saying is, in the same way, that alcohol can influence you in a certain way, the Holy Spirit can also influence you in a certain way. So let's compare the two. Don't be drunk with wine, because that's going to cause all kinds of problems. But in the same way that wine on the inside of you can change your way of thinking and the way you, th- way you kind of act and respond, so can the Holy Spirit do that for you as well. So don't be drunk with wine Same way, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And things begin to happen. When you surrender yourself to God and say, God, I want to be as fully filled as I could possibly be with your presence in my life, and I am going to pursue and seek after you, and I'm going to look for ways that I can serve you and live for you and live in you, cleanse my life of the crud that's messing me up, Come in and fill. Here's what happens. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Those things just grow. Who doesn't want that? I mean, who doesn't want that kind of stuff growing 
in our lives. I look at that, and, and that's just not an eh life. That's the life that you want. Each word, think about it, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, the, the drunk with wine verse, again, don't be drunk with wine. That will ruin your life. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled is a command, by the way. Be filled. You have to be filled. He's commanding us. So, how am I supposed to be filled? Well, just like that little wine binge, it would be by involving myself in the process that leads to whatever it is. Jesus said, I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised. You know, you, you know I can't be filled <clears throat> with the Holy Spirit if I have sin walking around in my life. I, I, just, I just can't be. Um, I can't have, be filled with the Holy Spirit if I'm walking against God's will. If I have unforgiveness, those things just don't, don't work. You'll still have the presence of the Holy Spirit. You can't be filled. If I'm selfish with my life, if I'm bitter towards another, it, it doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. And I can be filled with the Spirit of God when I truly worship, when I surrender, when I am obedient to his word, and when I want him to be part of my life. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up right now, just as, as I'm going to kind of wind this part down. Um, and this kind of leads us to lives that become a lot more vibrant than just simply day to day. You know, every weekday just getting up and doing the same routine. It's the anticipation that God, in his plan for me, will use me. And so, so a, a question I would I'd ask um, because this is your time. Um, the Bible says this, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Isn't that great? Now, the question then obviously would, would be, um, if the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we're God's children, does the Holy Spirit testify that you are? Can you say clearly, I belong to God. I fully belong to God through Jesus Christ. Um, you know, are you there at that point in time? Um, Peter in the Bible was asked what, what to do um, about people that were trying to connect with God. And here's, here's his response. Peter said this, Repent, Peter said to them, and be baptized each of you in the name of Jesus the Messiah for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's take a second and pray, can we? Father God, we thank you that you have now given us um, the privilege of knowing the Holy Spirit. And I would pray, Lord, that you would work always and continually in us, in our lives, in our hearts, to show us how we can not just be more open to the Holy Spirit's presence, but to truly surrender to be servants of you. The promise, Father, is just so that we're not being left alone as orphans, not just here on our own hacking out this life, but you are real and with us. And for each moment in our lives, you can give us help and guidance and strength and wisdom 
direction. And then when life hits us really hard, God, you can give us love and joy and peace and patience. Self-control. Lord, I would pray, Lord, that we would experience that. And if there's anyone here this morning, anyone here this morning that has not opened their heart and their life to the Holy Spirit, they would today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Bow down.